for it. What episode are we at, Albert? Two. <laughs> episode two with Albert. <laughs> I think it's 12 or something, isn't it? Uh, yeah, probably something like that. So we had uh, Matt couldn't make it with us tonight. We got Albert and then we got our special guest, Kamon. Kamon. <laughs> Kamon. <laughs> he agreed to join us anytime Matt can't come, so you might be hearing a lot of yeah. a lot of him in the future. <laughs> Such a lazy Dutch bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but now it's three uh, Austrians, isn't it? Yeah, that's no, no, no. so. So we yeah. two, yeah. <laughs> two, no, two and a half. <laughs> two and a half. Yeah. So, what's going on with everybody in the shop this week? Albert starts. Okay. Um, we have been working a lot because we have today there um, started a fair, an exhibition, the Hohe Jagd in Salzburg, um, which is a huge hunting fair. Uh, that's um, one of the best the, ones for you, right? Yeah, I don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> is it your first time? Yeah, it's our first time there okay. um, and the um, fees are super high. I mean, <laughs> that's why it's our first time there because we um, didn't want to pay the money um, before. But this year... Higher we... than, than other shows? So what's... Way. I mean, it, I, it, that's not a secret. Everyone can look it up. It's 200 euros per square meter. Okay. Um, square so meter. 30 square Square meter, yeah, we have um, three uh, uh, thirty square meters, which um, makes for six thousand euros. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Thirty's big. Thirty's big. I got yeah. twenty in Solingen. Solingen was big, yeah. Solingen was uh, for twenty square meters without tax a thousand eight hundred. Yeah. Yeah, but um, Albert is bringing his power hammer, so thirty will be <laughs> will be needed. <laughs> Only a small one, <laughs> but we, we, seriously, we thought about bringing an anvil, but our, all our anvils are so heavy, um, so we decided not to. Yeah, but it's an expensive um, fair for us, um, yeah. and I mean, if the the cost is like six thousand euros, you have to sell a lot of knives. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's a, that's kind of steep. How, yeah, how do they course, justify those prices? Um, sub supply and demand, I guess. Um, that's how these people operate. I mean, there's tons of people on the waiting list. If you want to have a spot, you have to pay the price. And um, and it's not even in the best um, hall. It's it's somewhere in the back. So in the main hall, it's even more expensive. Um, wow. So we are probably in the cheapest area. Damn. Uh, yeah. Um, so it's I mean... expensive. Not only is it the costs of the spot, but you have also to calculate uh, the the costs you're missing or the the income yeah. that you're missing by not yeah. being in the shop and all the journey and the travel and yeah. Damn. I mean, it's in Salzburg. It's it, it's a ten minutes um, drive. Oh, okay, to, okay, yeah, to, yeah, okay. Yeah. To, to the Messe yeah. Zentrum, that's where it's at. Um, but still, you're right. I mean, we lose. Um, we we're not just losing four days of work, but more because you have to bring all your stuff there, which takes a day. You have to set up your whole booth and stuff. Um, and then you have to build knives. Um, did you, uh, 
Did you talk to anyone up front if it pays off for them? I know Shurian is there every year, but I don't know if you if you have any contact to him or No, we haven't talked to Shurian. We've talked to the guy from Equilibrium Blades. Um and he told us that he that it that it's worth it for him. Okay. But he's in the best um uh, hall. Um so in the main um hall. That's where his spot that's where his what is what does he do i don't know him i think equilibrium blades he does um stock removal um outdoor hunting and bushcraft knives and maybe also kitchen knives i don't know um mainly made out of sandwich 14 c28n and i think burner and 690 so mainly stainless um but he's a stock removal guy um does very clean knives um super awesome finish a lot of uh, attention to detail um, so awesome knives, but he has a better spot than we do. Um, yeah. and he's in the main hall. We are somewhere in the back, um, which makes for a quieter day, <laughs> <laughs> but not as for many sales, of course. Um, but yeah, we, we're going to see how it's going to pay out. I mean, we, we're happy if we break even, to be honest. Do they release numbers on how many visitors there yes, usually I are? I, I looked it up before the show. <laughs> okay. They have um, 44,455 visitors. Oh, that's what they had in 2023. Uh, so, do, you, do you know uh, how much Solingen has? Either Keith or you? Yeah, uh, last, la, la, yeah, last year Solingen had like 3,500 visitors on two days. How, how many days is that? Sure. Four, four. Okay, but that's way uh, more than I mean. That's, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's. It's it's a shit lot of people. I mean, there's I mean, f almost forty five thousand people. I mean, Salzburg has I think one hundred and twenty thousand people who live here. <laughs> so mm -hmm. oh, yeah. where where are all uh, those people going? <laughs> no, it's horrible. I mean, we we today we left at eight o'clock, and um. We, we couldn't get in. I mean, it usually takes you 10 minutes to get there. It took us yeah. almost an hour because there were so <laughs> many cars that at already at eight o'clock and that was just the people, um, only the exhibitors. Uh, yeah. So not, not the, that not was the just, to, just to set up. You guys wanted just to set up. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it opened okay. at nine and we were there at, at a quarter past, um, eight. So mm -hmm. it was only exhibitors. You know what I'd be curious about now? How it compares to the different blade shows. Yeah, blade. <laughs> the blade shows are way bigger. Sure, I don't know. I mean, like also Texas, also like the smaller ones. Because we, I, we can ask I who, now. Uber. Yeah, does it? Does he know? <laughs> well, he's he's there right now. He's the it's that, yeah, he's yeah. I know, I know, tomorrow. I know. He's yeah. there, but he he doesn't count the visitors. I hope. <laughs> I hope he's <laughs> selling knives. <laughs> Yeah, we'll see. Definitely not as big as uh, Atlanta, but um, but huh. that's still forty-four thousand visit. That's a lot. And I think I think in Salzburg is a really big tourist area, and a lot of people come to Salzburg for yeah. handwork and things that are handmade. And I think yeah, hopefully you guys do good. And the, and the fair, the whole yacht is um, pretty popular. I mean, people come from all over the place. I mean, because Salzburg is located pretty central in Europe. So um, there's tons of people from Germany, from the Czech Republic, from Italy, from all around um, Austria. Um, Is it one of the bigger shows in Europe or are yes, it the hunting it, space? I think, it, I think it's the, the second um, biggest one in Europe. 
Okay. Or on, on the continent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because the Jagd und Hund um, in, where is it, in Dortmund or Düsseldorf is bigger, but I think it's the second largest one in, in Europe, as far as I know. I mean. Very interesting. Okay. Yeah, but we we only made, I think, five um, hunting knives. The rest is all kitchen knives. <laughs> I mean, but, it's risky, but uh, yeah. when people are into handcrafted goods, I would think, and every one of those hunters probably cook, I guess, or yeah, no, mm -hmm. yeah, or or, or, or oftentimes, I guess, I don't, I don't know actually. <laughs> yeah, that was our reasoning behind um, this. We thought everyone's gonna have um, hunting knives there. Yeah, um, we we're gonna go for kitchen knives and stand um, out. <laughs> and stand out a bit yeah and we only made um damascus plates so we Ooh. are um, you are you are you bringing that new damascus pattern yes <laughs> yes what's the new one can you describe it i, uh, I don't yeah. know if i've seen it <laughs> we had a special die made so um that we can have like big roses on the damascus Ooh. um like you you know the the, the small raindrop pattern yeah, yeah. but with with very large raindrops with 50 millimeters in diameter. So we had a special die ma made and uh, we did our first um, blades with this Damascus pattern. Nice. And of course I built an Akiri <laughs> because <laughs> there's so much surface area. It shows so up the pattern really well. Yeah, yeah. If you can imagine like a, like a water drop in a pond and then wait like 10 seconds and the, as the water drop like disperses and gets bigger and bigger, that's kind of what the pattern looks like. It's like okay. a really big set set of rings. Nice. Did you release it already on your social media or? No, no, no. I, I mean, I finished it yesterday night. Okay, so. okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I finished all the knives yesterday. Um, <laughs> You're perfect in time. <laughs> yeah, but it was a close call. <laughs> um yeah but that's why the last week was pretty exhausting and we've been grinding hand sanding finishing handles etching like crazy i mean we've been etching for two days straight all the damascus plates Yikes. Uh, yeah but it was i mean at the end it's fun if it if it works out yeah um, for sure and and it's a big relief if you can manage to finish all the knives you've planned for the show um, yeah because I already uh, uh, made a plan B, uh, what knives I'm not going to finish and what, um, what knives I'm, I, I really want to finish. But at the end, we were finished. Uh, we were able to finish all of it. Okay. Um, so it turned out um, um, well for us. But of course, I mean, it was long nights, um, not much sleep. <laughs> then you have to get up at... 6 30 in the morning to drive to the the show um uh, yeah. yeah albert but albert's full time full time now you got to do that kind of stuff when you're full time I know. you gotta put those hours in <laughs> have you not been before full time no um i started full time this year because i quit my my job at the university at the beginning of the year yeah um and now i'm full time i, I mean think, I'm, I'm, i think i've been almost full-time but yeah yeah i think seeing your shop i just always assumed you you were full-time <laughs> yeah most people did <laughs> yeah. it's crazy yeah either full-time or crazy that's the two options um now you're both <laughs> now now we're both yeah now i'm both that's right <laughs> so i i have to ask um did you etch that new pattern in gatapis or what have you been etching in 
Yeah, I did three cycles in Ferric and one cycle in Gator Piss. And um, how, how has cycle. it been working out for you, the Gator Piss? Are you happy with it or it's yeah, not as good as? Um, <laughs> not as good as promised, to be honest. Okay. Um, yeah. I've been watching the, the um, Baker Fortune Tool video over and over again because there's mm -hmm. a um, video on YouTube where they um, show um, how it's supposed process. to be. Their process. Yeah, the yeah. process, how the process is supposed to be done with Gator Piss. Um, and this process they describe there simply doesn't work for us at all. I mean, what they do is um, uh, finish, I think it's 600 or 1,200 grit finish, and then they put it in, they degrease it, of course, and then they put it into Gator Piss for 20 minutes, and it comes out with a perfect contrast, um, yeah, shiny. Yeah, I, I, I think and, 20 and that, minutes is unrealistic. And that's simply... That's not working. I mean, literally, not at all. I mean, if you put it in there for 20 minutes, um, it doesn't do anything. So I leave the um, blades in there for, for an hour, maybe even two, um, mm -hmm. for it to have any effect on the blade. So huh. um, we were wondering, maybe the European recipe for gator piss is different. Doesn't um, have any gator piss in it? <laughs> because there's no gators in Europe. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's what's missing, the secret ingredient. I think maybe it's just, should, maybe it's just matte, piss. matte pissing in a container. <laughs> or that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've kind of had kind of had the same results. Um 600 is definitely not enough. Like I've been going up through the grits to like 1200, 1500, mm -hmm. like really really polishing it. And yeah. then still doing a couple of cycles in normal ferric and and then buff everything out so there's no more black in it. And like two, three, 20 minute cycles in Gator Piss to get re good results, but they're still not, they don't look like they do on, on Instagram when you watch the Baker Forge videos. Um, yeah, exactly. Did you try to reach out to JB Blades? Do you know him? He makes those carved blades, but he but his finishes always. I think Baker Forge advertises right. with his blades. Right. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe yeah. he he has a trick, w uh, one or two tricks up his sleeve. But I don't know if he he would share them. I don't know. But I just I'm just asking. Did you did you maybe reach out or ask him about? No, it? no, I haven't. No, but okay. uh, yeah, Baker Forge when they make a new pattern, he's always the one who tests. The pattern out and makes the mix exactly yeah. and his finishes i mean they look pretty nice i would say right yeah they mm -hmm. do yeah. but it's kind of sad because we were all so hyped about um the gator piss um and we thought we that we could can get rid of the whole coffee edge or, or orange juice stuff um but yeah you know it simply doesn't work for us uh, I mean, I'm having two collaboration Damascus knives on my bench right now, one from Hangler and one from Anchorage Forge. And I bought a Gator Piss container from Keith, hopefully. <laughs> I hope I bought yeah, it from Keith. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and I will try it out. And, and, and if it's bad, I will, I will, I will never talk about it again. <laughs> <laughs> and if it's good, I will, I will advertise for it. <laughs> Yeah, but let us know. <laughs> no, no, definitely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. uh, my my yeah, etching process. Is, is, uh, since I'm I'm doing so little Damascus, and I'm always going for a, for a relief edge for a deeper edge. I'm always starting with the um, what's salt in English? Uh, salt? No, hy hydrochloric acid. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that I do right after hardening, but before I grind the bevels. So in that, um, uh, only the forging scale part of the blade, the upper part, is deep edged, mm-hmm. and the uh, uh, primary bevel isn't as deep edged because if you edge that one too deep then uh, setting an edge onto the blade is is difficult it's like a like a bread knife almost like microscopically microscopically viewed yeah so i'm i'm always what i was going to say is i'm always uh changing the the uh, how i edge things it's always on the fly i look at it maybe polish it up again on the on the on the disc grinder you know with some scotch bright and then trying again um but it's always on the fly but i i bought some gator piece because i was thinking maybe maybe it will help me for the contrast edge at the end mm, that's what we use it for yeah um we do all the deep edge with ferric and we do the contrast edge with um gator piece but we leave it in there for one two hours at least okay yeah i will i will see what what happens <laughs> very mm. curious <laughs> I've had kind of the same results with coffee. I, I gave up on coffee. I don't know why. I, I mean, I, I don't make as many knives as you guys do, for sure. But it's always like a hit or miss, or you get different color variations in it. And I thought yeah. Gator Piss yeah. would, would take care of that problem. Coffee coffee was too difficult for me as well. If it, if, even if uh, the times it looked perfect, and sometimes the edge wasn't stable. So And it was always... Almost like poker. It was always miss or hit, but just yeah, by chance. Yeah, it's a lottery. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then, but when you're etching overnight, you can't afford to play around. You know, if it's only yeah. in, in the acid for one hour, then I don't care. I just redo the finish and then try again. But if it's overnight and maybe I have a tight t- timeline, then I can't mess around with a coffee edge. But I do notice what that, that's one of the things. I do notice that the, the black part of the etch after Gatopis. If you um, do it like they say in the step, where you just spray it down um, with with an oil and let it sit overnight, that that yeah. that really does hold a lot longer than than a coffee etch does or an orange juice etch for sure. It's a definitely I, more robust. Uh, yeah, durable. I've I've heard that the coffee etch stabilizes as well if you let it sit, um, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no, it does. Yeah, yeah. I I coffee etched a monosteel blade um, made out of O1 tool steel once, and it was blacked out and super stable. Um, but I left it in the coffee, I think, for a day or two. Yeah, um, room temperature. Room temperature. Yeah. Um, and then I I mean, I took it out every now and then and used steel wool to get rid of the, the surface oxides and put it back in. Yeah. And it was it was blacked out. It almost looked like the coating. It looked like a coating. Um, uh, it was super stable, so it didn't rub, rub off. Um, but it t- takes a lot of time. Um, and if you finish or etch your knives one day before a show, <laughs> you don't. Have yeah. yeah. Was it a kitchen knife or uh, EDC? It was or? a kitchen knife. Yeah, it was a kitchen knife. What, what's re- what's your opinion about the, you know, about the uh, stickiness of the finish? It is. I mean, that's what I told the customer. Yeah. I s- said the customer, you increase surface area yeah. because of the um, because of the edge, and you don't have you won't have a food release that, that that's as good as with a um, satin finished knife. Um, 
Yeah, that's... But he insisted. He wanted to have a black knife. <laughs> said, okay, then I'm going to do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, if he insists and knows what he's getting, then it's okay. Yeah. But I, I always, when I make a blacked out blade, it's more like gray because uh, I, I, I think a very minor edge doesn't do much damage to the food release. As long as the primary bevel still reflects light, like looks shiny, then it works. But if you let it sit in there, so it's almost black, it doesn't reflect light as as much. It it looks really matte, and that's where it, it just catches food, <laughs> like it does, <laughs> like yeah. a magnet. I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, food food release is a uh, food release is horrible with this knife, but he insisted, and I I I mean, I warned him. Uh, many many times yeah, yeah i mean <laughs> but he's, he still insisted and then i said okay it's i'm gonna do it i mean it's for me it's fun i mean uh, to to make a blacked out knife definitely um, looks cool yeah it yeah. looks cool so um i have murdered out yeah i have instagram <laughs> content and he has a knife and he has to deal with the food release problem um, <laughs> because i want him um plenty of times so yeah but you, you're right I, I i think you should warn your customer <laughs> that um, it's not not all about aesthetics, and if you want to have a blackout knife with done with a coffee edge, then he or she's gonna ha- he's gonna deal with the or has to deal with the um, food release issue. Yeah, I'm maybe. a fan of that. As long as the customer knows and he still yeah. insists, and it's not totally outside of my comfort zone, then yeah, you can have it, mm. and take it. <laughs> yeah. So what what is the best finish for uh, food release? Uh in your opinion i mean the reality is in, in my opinion or i shouldn't start with the realities in my opinion in one <laughs> sentence so <laughs> my reality is <laughs> uh it's i think it's food dependent so, and that's true for the grind as well as your cutting technique and the finish all all at the same time i think if you mirror polish a plate and have a watery f- uh, produce like cucumber it can slide yeah. off that mirror polish because there is the water layer and it just slides like ice skates. Um, whereas uh, some and not as watery produce might stick to it like crazy. Um, if you have a coarse grit, I've read in the forums, I've never tried this myself, but I can imagine coarse grit um, in the range of 120 grit uh, makes almost for some similar effect as an s it creates air pockets so that will have a better food release with some foods but then the cucumber for example might stick like crazy on that finish so regarding finish in my opinion it's just uh uh it it, it, it's just a matter of taste because some food will always stick to it no matter what you do in my opinion regarding the finish at least um if you don't mess it up with something you know that just sticks like blacked out or you know (laughs) No, no, I, it, that wasn't meant as an insult. You know it as well, but <laughs> I know, I, I'm just I know saying. Exactly what it yeah, means. yeah, yeah. Albert. Yeah, I think it depends. Um, is the right answer? Um, I'm a fan of um, satin finishes on mono steel blades. Um, it might also depend on the way the scratches go, right? I mean, if you have horizontal or vertical scratches. Um, yeah. Um, but if you. have blade is mirror polished i'd expect something like what's the what's it called the phenomenon is it called adhesion if you have yep. two very flat surfaces um that mm-hmm. stick to each other I um think. i'd be worried about that on a mirror 
um, finished plate. I mean, I don't do mirror mirrored finished plates because I don't like it <laughs> for aesthetic reasons. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'd be afraid or worried about um, this adhesion phenomenon. But this also might happen only with a um, certain kind of food or vegetable. I I think I mean I think yeah some some foods definitely. But with the cucumber, similar as I I have a straight razor from Korat and his polish is just top notch. But when you have water running across the blade, it's almost like surface coated. The water just um, doesn't stick to it or not a lot because of the polish yeah. and then it makes sense in that sense that the that the cucumber which is super watery uh slides off like the water itself it, or you know to me i know it makes exactly sense. what i mean but yeah. i'm not sure if the if the comparison holds up because a, a, a cucumber slice uh, might create something like a vacuum underneath it which a water drop might not be able to do because you can't put pressure on it. You know? Yeah, well, uh, it will depend on the geometry as well. If you have yeah, yeah, a sure. convex or flat or whatever, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it, that that surely still depends on it. Um, okay, but uh, yeah, but if you have two flat grinds, um, one mirror polished and one with a satin finish or a belt finish, um, I, I mean, of course, you have to compare the same geometry. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, same geometry, oh, but, but it's always di different and difficult. Even if the blade yeah. is wet from uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Protoss to four, it makes a difference. So it's, yeah, yeah the, the food release issue is <laughs> difficult. Yeah. I think the most difference um, makes the geometry, special grinds, um, yeah. S grinds. I think that may, may, can make a difference, but with finishes, I never bothered. But I recently talked to someone about surface coating. A kitchen knife and he had the idea of um the surface itself uh, producing the food release versus the geometry but i i don't think i'm a fan because if you ever have to f um thin the kitchen knife which will happen throughout its life then it's a problem then the finish is gone and then you but what kind of surface coating would he do in a blade yeah just just the the, the idea was something like what you would Coat your raincoat in, but of course, ah, uh, okay, similar, um, you know, in the idea, but okay. of course, something that is food <laughs> safe and cleaner. All. Yeah, mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so like, like a DLC coating or a Cerakote, but I think Cerakote's probably not food safe. I, I mean, I've read different opinions on that, but I'm not sure. But uh, DLC would be food safe, but yes. I don't think that would would change the how the food sticks to it it's still almost like a glass coating it would be the same as a mirror polish in my opinion yeah i i don't know i don't i only know this dlc from from folding knives or auto right. ni outdoor knives I, mean, I don't know if there is I mean, any yeah if it was a thing then people would have been doing it already i think right yeah i would i would <laughs> think so <laughs> i'm sure somebody's tried it for sure, <laughs> I mean the some industrial knives come like that. If they are black, it must be something like DLC or something like that. Yeah, my wife has my wife has um a couple of knives from from Fiska. They're kind of yeah. cheap knives, but they they have like a black coating on it also, and um they work well until the coating starts to yeah. wear off and then everything sticks to it. Yeah, I mean, 
better than some Japanese knife makers just painting their blades black to yeah. <laughs> simulate <Yeah. laughs> forging scale. <laughs> oh. But I've I've always been skeptical about these coatings on knives to be knives to be honest, especially on kitchen knives. I I don't see the point. Um, seriously, why would you coat the blade? Um, especially, I mean, if it it will rub off yeah. um, sooner yeah. or later, and the the stuff is gonna go into your food, um, yeah. and you most likely don't know what it is. Um, so why would you? I mean, I understand it why you why people would do a coating on a tactical knife where there um, must not be any reflections if you're out in the field as a soldier somewhere in enemy territory or whatever. But um, with a kitchen knife, I don't see the point, to be honest. Um, no. Yeah. Um, if you want to have a black knife, if do a coffee edge, or if you want to have a um, Damascus blade, do a proper edge um, so that you get a high contrast. But... I, I don't understand why you would um, zero coat or even DLC coat um, a kitchen knife. Uh, unless you want to protect it against rust, but I, I don't really see the point in that either. No, I, I, think, I think when you see the coatings on a cheap knife, it's um, one, a sales gimmick or to hide uh, the machining the machining marks ooh. so they don't have to do a high finish. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. To hide the machining marks, yeah, or the, the press marks or whatever the yeah, or the milling, the uh, yeah, scratch and stuff, yeah. Smart. <laughs> Next week, Kamon's already doing <laughs> coding <laughs> 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 on his Pakistani uh, plates. <laughs> but hiding uh, something is not a good enough reason for me. You know, I mean that's, <laughs> that's I mean, just yeah. a lame excuse yeah. not to have to do the proper finish. Oh, I mean, you're, yeah. you're making handmade knives. You're not pressing them out. Yeah. So. Yeah. You think that? Well I, well, I think so. I mean, I've seen it live. Unless he's doing other things when I leave. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> now look, my funny story. Today there was a guy at our table at the fair, and he took a look at our. Um, we've built two mosaic Damascus plates. And he took a look at our plates and he said, ah, nice. That's laser. That's a laser um, laser. (laughs) finish, right? And he said, what? And he said, that's lasered on there, right? The pattern. I said, no, Um, we have like five power hammers (laughs) and we don't have a laser. Did he accept (laughs) your explanation at least? No. Yeah, I mean... Of course he did. He he was some random dude. I mean, he told us that he's a big knife designer for that and that company. And yeah, and whatever. I mean, you know, you probably don't know because you don't do any shows, yeah, right? Yeah, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but most people who do show shows know that there's always random dudes showing up um, and talking about knives, although they don't know anything about it. Yep. I mean, uh, yeah. But if he's a knife designer even though he works probably for the industry then i would think he's if he's at least aware of the concept of pattern welded steel or i mean yeah should, but he should be he should be yeah, yeah <laughs> i'm think i'm thinking i mean maybe your your pattern just looks that perfect that he thought okay that's that's too symmetrical and too <laughs> too high contrast that must be the laser 
Yeah, might be, but still, <laughs> I mean, we, we, we are called Salzburger Messerschmiede and not Salzburger Laser. Yeah, yeah. That, that doesn't tell anything. A company next to me in my industrial area is called Ideenschmiede, like Idea Forge, Idea, yeah, yeah Idea Smith. Schmiede or Smith is just the trendiest word outside of yeah. actual platesmiths, I have the feeling, or blacksmiths. It's, like it's, steampunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. it's everywhere. Everyone misuses it. I feel like yeah, because it's a cool word. I mean, maybe deep down, everyone wants to be a smith, right? Of course, fire, <laughs> it's, it's sparks, called... steel. Yeah, and it. I mean, Ideenschmiede is a very. I mean, it's a, it's an it's an awesome name for. Yeah, but that that could be uh, for anything. It could be somebody who writes books or something. Yeah. Yeah, but <laughs> but maybe for a PR um, company or something. It's an insult is... to me because I'm an, a genuine <laughs> Idee Schmiede Schmieden uh, forging knives. <laughs> but what does this company do? What's the Idee Schmiede uh, I working think, on? I think they are uh, actually uh, a program for the uh, you know the IMS. The, how do you translate ah, okay. it? Mm -hmm. like the yeah, for unemployed yeah, people. Yeah, unemployed right. people, mm -hmm. giving them some kind of employment or some tasks. Okay. Um, so in my opinion, but I didn't look into it, they don't really have to do anything with ideas, actually, <laughs> or, or okay. forging. But yeah, no, I, 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 don't, I don't care that much. But it's, it's just a fact that everyone uses forge in their name, even if they are not related, at least in the German language. Schmiede. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh that was a long introduction to Albert's week. Yeah, what what's Ben doing this week? Uh <laughs> I was visited today by Bertrand Gatignon <laughs> or Gatignol. Um he's a he's a relatively famous in his niche uh uh a comic book artist, but um, it's not like DC or Marvel comics, uh, but r really hardcover books. I, I had a collaboration with him before. Um, I got got to know him because he was a customer b at first, and then I had a collaboration with him. And he had a small vacation in Vienna and mm -hmm. visited me in my shop. And then I took him out for lunch and super interesting guy, super interesting conversation and all. And I was very happy to for him to visit me. <laughs> it was it was a fun day. Took the day off is essentially. He, is he the guy who uh, designed your shirts, your new shirts? Uh, <laughs> no, because he would have done better. <laughs> that was just me. <laughs> that was you. Uh, uh, no, no, no. Uh, but I don't know if people remember. But he um, he um, had within his comics he had a character hold a, a kitchen knife and then he talked to me if if it was cool for uh. me if he used one of my knives as a drawing and then we developed the idea of me making the actual knife he drew and selling it all together and that sold uh, through eating tools like about two years ago but it was a super nice collaboration because his um his comics at the time uh, had the color scheme of black white and gold and I made a knife with a nashi, a polished finish, so silver, uh, white, essentially plate, um, yeah. a black bog oak and black end caps handle with brass uh, or bronze spaces. So there was the gold, 
and so it it from a color scheme perspective it all fit together and it was just um i think i mean i think it's it's cool if you're the customer if you have the knife that is pictured in the comics and yeah. and the copies were signed by him and all that and yeah nice collector's piece with a little story behind it that's yeah, cool yeah. i haven't seen that before i'll have to check it out yeah yeah it, it i i was it was a cool project and he's a very interesting guy he lives in paris we were talking a lot about uh, like inner city stuff and how his how 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 his living situation is how he works he approaches his art it's 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 art but he's very methodical it's 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 crazy he he does batch work with comics so he has the story layout he finishes that then he makes all the sketches with pencil and finishes the whole book in sketches and so on so he he, he almost works in in batches um and we we discovered a lot of similarities in our work because i'm working in batches and yeah. and he he also said he oftentimes talks to other artists like him comic book, book artists and yeah they they sometimes struggle but still don't want to take his advice how to improve their efficiency but yeah it, it was it was it was it was very interesting very very nice insights <laughs> so you saw some similarities in like his process and and like how he looks into the future for his comics and how you are making your knives and yeah, I mean the batch work. That's that's a big similarity. I mean, we we only came to talk about that even because he asked me about my process, and I described to him that every step mm -hmm. I do, like forging, is one step, and I do it for every of the twenty blades in one batch, and then the end caps drilling, I do that for all the handles and so on and so on. And he then interrupted and said he he essentially does the same for his comics. Uh, which I would have never guessed because I would have thought they are growing more organically and maybe some ideas evolve later on and he slips them into the storyline or something like that. But he said, no, he develops the whole story up front and then the pencil sketches. Then it's interesting, he draws manually. So he has the pencil sketches. He then um, edits them digitally but then draws the outlines of the drawing with a fine liner a manually by hand and then he scans that and the colorization then happens digitally again so he could he told me he could work just on the computer as well but he said he would go mad and he enjoys the manual <laughs> labor of this thing the the craft essentially he enjoys it very much and i can i can totally see that i can associate with that yeah, I bet you can tell the difference uh, from somebody who just like develops it on the computer or with the hand. It's yeah, 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 and 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 more he organic, had a, like you say. Yeah, not only that, he had an explanation, a rationale behind that as well, because he said when you're drawing only on the computer, there is no pressure on you because you can always edit it um, however you want. And he said if you have the pressure on your in your back, you know of with a fine liner with a touche um, uh, what's you know a, a permanent fine liner uh drawing like that you are just more uh, concentrating more you're more into the into your task that you're doing because there is a lot of pressure of messing up and and he says that's just the reality of a craft he says my knives are similar because if i fuck up the quench the blade is just done 
you know, if I crack the blade. And he says, if you draw digitally, there is no pressure. You can always add it and you lose yourself in the process. And yeah, you don't put as much effort in it, he says. That's his, his rationale behind it. So he has a rational reason for it as well. I, I like that. It's cool. And what was his name again? What? Bertrand uh, Gatignol. Um, or Bertrand Gattingjol. It's a little difficult. But he's on Instagram. He's active <laughs> on Instagram. He has some videos where he draws. And you can see him drawing with the fine liner. <laughs> and, you know, a pretty pretty finished picture already, but still drawing in, in, in the picture. Um, making no mistakes. <laughs> I mean, you can't make any mistakes uh, with the fine liner. And he sells... Um, art drawings as well, separate from his comics. So he he has his drawings in galleries in Paris and and sells them as they are, all made by hand, all colorized by hand as well. Um, so yeah, he's he's a pretty pretty amazing dude. You have to uh, send me his name and I'll put it in the show notes so other people can check De- it out. I want to see too. Definitely, I'll I'll send you a link. I don't speak French as good as you. Oh, oui. <laughs> oui. Is he the one who did a, a painting um, of you in front of the anvil? Uh, no, no, that was Massive Face. Um, yeah, Massive Face is his Instagram. But that's also that was also like a comic book drawing, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. That's uh, yeah. Uh, quite a different style but that was recently yeah. that was with the within the um collaboration i'm having with anchorage forge because anchorage forge and anchorage brewing he um lets his beer labels um he, he lets the designs be made by the massive face guy and he okay. he's quite big on instagram the dude has 230k followers on instagram so <laughs> i was uh yeah I was uh, nice. What what's his what was his name again? Massive face, like massive. Uh, like massive. Okay. Uh, yeah, face. Yeah. I could. Yeah, it, can you tell us any more about that collaboration? I heard there's going to be a, a Camon beer made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> um, uh, Gabe Fletcher from Anchorage Brewing will brew a IPA for me or for me. I mean in uh, part of the collaboration and he will make a knife also from the same material he sent me and i'm making a knife and then we'll make the beer and the knives and the release and everything all at the same time we'll release it through eating tools so um i quite a lot of pressure to not mess it up and that that uh zombie drawing picture of you at the anvil or standing in the in the field i mean that's the gonna be the label Maybe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, yeah. yeah. He did similar with with Steve Schwarzer and Jason Knight and and Mareko Mamasi. So I think they all were on the beer label. So <laughs> I'm <laughs> I'm quite amused and and happy that my 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 skull face will be on a beer. <laughs> I wouldn't have imagined that a few years ago. So <laughs> interesting. So everybody can get a little taste. Come on. Mm, I mean, <laughs> don't get me started. <laughs> did you decide that it's gonna be an IPA, or did he 
he or they decide no that. no he asked me about my taste and recently i love uh drinking the stiegel columbus and and generally i yeah. pays a lot yeah. because for me they are they are they are the radler which is not sweet so the the radler is an, an austrian mix of beer and some orange juice or whatever some sweet a soft drink yeah soft yeah. drink mm -hmm. but i don't like it because mm -hmm. it's way too sweet but um, an ipa yeah. to me still has a lot of sour and bitter but none of the sweetness and i like it because it's just fresh and tickling my um uh, my taste buds so I, I i like that a lot recently uh, ipas are awesome yeah <laughs> uh, yeah a and he asked me radler is gross radlers are disgusting they should be illegal but uh ipa i think <laughs> it, an ipa has like just uh, like a hint of fruitiness to it yeah fruitiness and acidic a, yeah. acidic taste i i love it recently <laughs> He sent me some beers of his as well. I mean, some, I looked it up, they are crazy expensive. I would never have asked for that, but um, I've, I've never tasted that in a beer. Amazing beers. And you can tell the, the guy is passionate about his beer. <laughs> so this is but like a small... guys uh, also draw... Okay, sorry. No, go ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead. Do these guys also draw um like proper graphic novels and comics book comic books or is it just like this one off or one shot paintings yeah massive face i think only does art or mm -hmm. one of paintings but bertrand the french guy um makes comic books art um yeah i think he he does some contract work as well but i i didn't ask if for companies or he just mentioned that he or maybe he did back in the back in the day, but um, Bertrand does comics, and and the the other guy from Anchorage Forge, um, mm -hmm. I think those are one-offs. No, that's a shame because they're so amazing. Yeah, yeah, they, <laughs> he has a very dark style. It's it's very dark. It's like Frank Miller style. I mean, I love yeah. it. It's I mean, super awesome. Cool. It's very nice. <laughs> Do you know when these will be available? Um. It should be, I, I don't know the timeline, but um, probably end of March. Mm -hmm. Yeah, something like that. And where can, where can we buy them? <laughs> on eating tools. <laughs> no, uh, the knife you <laughs> okay. can buy on eating tools, but uh, his beers, I think they're only available in the US, sadly. Uh, uh, I've looked uh, back when he first uh, got in touch with me because... It's quite contradicting. He's a good customer of mine as well. So <laughs> it's it's a little uh, difficult relationship for me because I, I you know, I, I mean, you guys know probably having someone who is friendly to you, but at the same time be a customer is sometimes, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't like that relationship. It, it's, it's not sometimes, it's, it's always hard. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, <laughs> then we're on the same page. And so yeah. um, it's kind of, conflicting or i don't i don't know the correct word but it's it's difficult in that sense he's mm -hmm. not difficult but i'm difficult <laughs> no the situation is yeah, difficult. yeah okay yeah and let's I... put it that way <laughs> yeah. so i'll be uh i'll be back in the u.s in july i'll bring i'll bring some home albert i'll bring you on one of uh Ben's ah, beers, good. good definitely get the ipa it's really it's really delicious it's um he sent me a belgian sour as well i never had that before that's um very sour as the name says but you really have to know what you what you're getting into up front because otherwise you will if you're expecting a beer or an ipa you will be surprised 
Um, I still liked it, and I think I could, you know, get used to it. But if you're not you're not expecting it, then it 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 can be surprising, you know, overwhelming. Um, it's the kind of beer where you, where you drink like just one or two, relaxing, and it's not something you go out drinking. Yeah, but buddies. I mean, yeah, similar to Guinness, I wouldn't get drunk on Guinness either. It's I, I'll I'll have one or two, but uh, not tasting similar, but you know a strong taste, just like that. Yeah. And yeah, mm-hmm. and um, in, in that it's similar to, to Guinness. I I I mean at least I have never gotten drunk on Guinness. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> That's like like my least favorite beer, Guinness. It's a very um very thick and earthy flavor. I think. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's it's like black coffee. I I enjoy it. You can put like a two euro coin on top of it and it floats. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's true. <laughs> then then start uh, eating it. <laughs> don't drink it. Eat it. <laughs> yeah, I mean it is. I mean it's a meal. Yeah. <laughs> Ask for a spoon and dig in. <laughs> But yeah, it's also yeah. probably not a good idea with beer. <laughs> so Ben, we've been seeing, uh, or at least I've been seeing a little bit of uh, the knife you've been making for for the charity project. Yeah. Uh, are you making a monolith? No. What? No. It has a tang. No, I, I didn't. I didn't notice the tang. I, I thought for a minute. <laughs> I've been. I've been seeing so many different knife makers uh, that have been sending me pictures that we haven't um, put out yet. <laughs> We're kind of gonna introduce everybody first, and then I keep seeing every time I see a knife from you, I'm like, "Is that the one he's making?" Like when I see it on Instagram, you show just a corner or the tip or the heel. I'm like, "That that could be it. That might be the heel of the knife here." That, and then I, for some reason, I just thought you were making a monolith. With no, no, and even in this bit, bit, bit <laughs> in this batch are um, no monoliths at all. But um, I didn't even think about doing one because I was thinking, you know. Uh, a handle was uh, required or expected. Um, okay. No, but now that you say it, I'm kind of regretting that it's not a monolith. <laughs> it would have been Wait, cool. You, you still got time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I've got time. <laughs> have you started already? Yeah, yeah. It's it's already hand. hardened. It's already heat treated, so it will for sure survive. I've never failed a knife once it was heat treated, and heat treat goes wrong. Rarely, rarely as well as long as it's mono steel. I've only had problems in heat treat when it was soft cat my but other than that, mm-hmm. so so that one is safe. I I was a little worried. I thought maybe that's the one in a thousand that cracks as a mo- mono steel blade just because, but I, I've got it through, and, and it will be Apex Ultra, by the way. So okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> so the best carbon steel on earth, on you know. You've heard of that one? No, Apex Ultra. What's that? Tell us about. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a steel developed by partly an, uh, by a three-headed team <laughs> of, um, how do I say it? It's two professional metallurgists and one, um, professional knife maker, and it's simply the best carbon steel on this planet. I mean, there's nothing else to say about it, I guess. <laughs> Do you sell That's it? Re- uh, re- I, I I do. Yeah, shameless oh. plug. No, it <laughs> seems to be uh, at least here in Europe, it's like the thing thing to do right now. Every everybody's using it as in sand mines and 
as a core material. N- not only that, um, I mean, I have, um, and that that's not a plug. I have a lot of American knife makers I'm friendly with writing me where to get it <clears throat> because they seem to uh, have problems getting it f- in the US or, or overseas. So I think it's quite in demand. I have the feeling. Yeah, well, I have, se- I have a few people. Who's selling it in the US? Do you know that? Huh? Who is selling um, Apex in the US? Uh, I, no, I don't know. On, out of the top of my head. I don't, there are shops, right? Yeah, I don't know about this batch. The last batch, at least, uh, Pops Knife Supply in the US ah, was selling okay. it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they still are. There's, there's quite a few, um, but they get it in limited amounts. And because of the shipping charges, it's kind of expensive. Um, yeah. So the last, the last couple, so the last two years when I've been going home, um, I get people from the U.S. that write me often if I sell, because I only sell in the EU, and uh, I get some orders together and take stuff home with me in July and ship it out. Last time I sent some uh, to Morocco and to to Jeff Vader and nice, but I haven't seen either. I haven't seen either of them make anything with it yet. So no, I think yeah, it's it seems to be hard to get over there. But I'm I'm thinking. I mean, I don't quite understand why there isn't a bigger retailer uh, getting lot. A, a big just amount, bigger numbers. yeah, a bigger numbers. Yeah. So the shipping costs just um, like normalize or um, spread throughout the throughout the right. order. Yeah. Uh, do, why do why don't you sell outside of the EU? Just too much trouble with invoice and all that. Um, yeah, just at the time, at, right now at this point, uh, with shipping and selling outside of the u.s with the imports and all that kind of stuff in import taxes i just don't have the time to put that to put into the website right now to get yeah. that figured out but i will soon i'm working on it it's that's the plan yeah i think i mean i could imagine a lot of makers buying small amounts but i mean if many makers buy that that's still good business for you mm, yeah yeah, Tobias is working on it. He's good. He's he's gonna get that stuff over there to the US. He's got it actually around all of the Europe and um, in the UK. And I've heard some people in uh, Japan working with it, and a little bit here and there all over the place. So I guess once it once it picks up a little more, maybe he'll. I mean, I'm he'll... thinking get the steel to Montana Knife Company. Let them make a yeah. batch, and then let yeah. the UFC and Joe Rogan promote Apex Ultra. And I mean, I mean, B- Baker Forge just <laughs> Baker Forge just did a batch with it. So I'm, I'm I was expecting it to take off right after that. We'll see. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, that will have an influence. They're they're very good at um, For sure. Yeah. With their, their marketing presence. is is yeah. great. Yeah. That, but that's what I wanted to ask. Is there any plans, or do you guys know if there's any plans to have it produced over there in the US? Apex Ultra. That's that's difficult uh, for quality control, I guess. We, I mean, we've seen that in some other steels that we talked about before we started recording. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, okay. I, I think, but I, as far as I know, I'm not sure, but I think Tobias was actually um, with, uh, present with every batch they produced, and it's. Yeah. I think it's produced in Germany. I'm not not entirely sure, but the thing is, if if he was to or if they were to produce it in the US, I think it's it's what Keith says, the quality control w- would be an issue, um, would be difficult or impossible to do. 
Yeah, you just have to have one over there who does it. I mean, some someone you, you have trust, to someone you trust. capable. At, at some point, yeah. you, at some point, if you want to upscale it, um, it's something that you're gonna have to do. But you, like you said, you got to find somebody that you can trust. Yeah, but trust. I mean, even even where Tobias was present in the steel mill, um, some problems occurred, and he wasn't able yeah. to change them. But if if he wasn't, if he if he wouldn't have seen it himself, I think. I mean that 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 screams for trouble. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah. I mean, it's possible that 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 comes out on the market, and then then you hear about it afterwards, and there's nothing you can really do about it once it's released. So, yeah. uh, he's definitely super highly involved in making sure that. The steel is a uh, high quality. Yeah, yeah, no, no, for sure. I mean, the issues, the issues he had, you wouldn't be able to hide. They just, they just lost right, parts yeah. of the steel, and yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was an I mean, issue. Yeah. But I think they resolved it, and and Tobias is on the ball, so <laughs> he's very yeah. involved. I mean, you, you've been to a shop, you've seen that huge chunk of steel that he's got that he paid like I don't know how many thousands of euros for. Yeah. It it's, looks like like a yeah. <laughs> if it wasn't that heavy, it would be mine now. <laughs> yeah, I, I told him he should make an anvil out of it. <laughs> oh, that would be. I mean, hmm. <laughs> Apex Ultra Anvil. <laughs> yeah. Imagine the wear on all your hammers. They're gone in like in a, in a year. They're all gone. <laughs> yeah, then you got You need carbide hammers. So. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me started on those. <laughs> Uh, why let's talk about him do you have one no 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 i i, I <laughs> full disclosure i don't have one but oh every time i tried to do that with uh with a uh, self-made one i always yeah. broke the blade uh, but possibly i'm i'm an idiot because uh i i i i'm not able to do many things other knife makers do so maybe i'm the issue <laughs> but <laughs> uh, uh I I can't work with them. <laughs> I'm so glad you're saying that, Ben, because we got so much um, shit for um, us saying that we broke plates with the carbide hammer on this podcast. Yeah, no, I'm getting shit as well. I, I'm seeing it coming. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no, I, for me, it's shim temper, and and it's yeah. it that just that just works all the way. But uh. Regarding shim temper, temper, I think a lot of knife makers don't um, um, take enough care of the blades. I, I had a long conversation with Hangler about that, um, with the temperature cycles in the temp, uh, tempering oven, and with the radiation heat, it's actually quite dangerous or um, quite um, uh, probable to overheat your blade in parts. So. Especially if you if you temper in your even heat or similar high temperature kilns, that's that's kind of tricky. I'm I'm not a fan of that, and I see a lot of knife makers do that. That's 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 tricky. I would I would overthink that. <laughs> okay, because you there there's on some in some areas there's more heat than in others because of the wire that runs, yeah. So for one um, for one there is in in those uh, heat treatment kilns there is no convection. So the only convection that happens mm -hmm. is from warm air going up and and net kind of natural convection. Um, but what the real problem is is and I never thought of that. That's that's Hungle's concept, but it makes perfect sense. Uh, radiation heat. So when those uh, ovens heat up, the coils get 
rather hot because they just yeah, yeah they just okay. heat up and until the heat reaches the sensor they switch off but uh, the heat coils might already have i'm just saying any number now because i didn't uh, yeah, research yeah. it but might have 400 or 500 de degrees already but the chamber and the air surrounding it has only 160 degrees celsius and so what can happen is that the radiation heat heats up the blade to a higher temperature than the air has because air doesn't um uh, yeah yeah con warm up yeah, that yeah, quickly exactly. yeah. mm -hmm. it's a bad mm -hmm. heat contact mm -hmm. conductor and steel is a good heat, heat yeah. conductor so what i did is and and Hangler has a similar oven we um put a pid control into a uh, gastronomy uh, into a restaurant oven the the big ones mm -hmm. and what what is special about them is they have the heat coils in the back not in the in the oven cham chamber and a ventilation uh, a ventilator and it only yeah. blows the hot air into the into the chamber up front and so with a PID control my oven is is straight on 165 degrees Celsius, never, never any, any, any degree off or or up. So I'm making sure w within the shim temper, um, with tempering time is is basically almost irrelevant. Temperature is what is relevant, and so if you have yeah. a classical oven, the oven will go from 150 to 180 and always cycle up and down mm. and pretty, pretty a lot. They have like 20 degree differences. Yeah, yeah, a lot, down. a lot. 20 yeah. is good. Yeah. There are ovens yeah. that cycle way more. And then it's just an uncontrolled environment. And 180 degrees, I mean, look up in the sheets, you're going from uh, 65 uh, HRC to 63 very quickly. So yeah, and yeah. <laughs> I see all the knife makers doing that, and I'm just putting it out there. I would overthink that if you're, uh, if you're, yeah. Uh, yeah, looking for for quality. That's 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 not a good mode to operate on. It's it's. So you, so you have an a, like a normal like a I don't know like a normal like oven like you would see at an industrial restaurant yeah like exactly. a big oven yeah, yeah. A huge how big is the chamber oh. approximately like a half a meter square or something. Or? Um, yeah, it's it's eighty centimeters wide, I think, and and fifty high or something. It's a big oven. <laughs> mm -hmm. I I bought it I bought it cheap because it was used. The restaurant couldn't use it anymore. It was dirty, and I didn't bother. It yeah. was cheap. Um, Hangler actually bought a new one, but it, it, I think new one they cost three hundred or five hundred euros. It's not crazy money. It's it's okay. it's definitely worth it. Um, because and then the, with the only yeah. The, the only change that you made was to put a PID control. You didn't add any kind of insulating material or anything to it? No, nothing. Only the PID control. So what they often um, naturally will do. My father was an electrician and we talked about it. Uh, so the relays inside the oven, they are used to switching only every minute or so. You know, with those cycles, yeah. it's yeah, just yeah. Uh, switching on and off every minute. Now the oven switches every 10 seconds, probably. Uh, yeah, so yeah. way quicker so the relay will wear and at some point I'm sure I have to ex exchange the relay because it's not made for that uh, at least he had he said uh, probably that will be the case but other than that I didn't change anything just the PID and it just uh, switches in a quicker cycle and just holds the temperature way more precise yeah so the, the other relay is called the SSR relay and it's made specifically to cycle yeah like 10 15 either, times right? in, a, in a minute right yeah i mean you can hear it clicking off and on for sure okay, but okay it's um it's it's a little bit more robust and it's made for for frequent cycling 
Yeah, I mean, once the old one goes, I have another one in the oven that is not used. I think they just put it in there for, you know, uh, for exchange because they expect it at some point to go. Maybe, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's in the oven. But once that goes, so the second one, I will, I will exchange it with, an, with, a, with what you said. <laughs> says, yeah, I mean, you can get them for like 10, 15 euros. They're not expensive at all. But if the one you have right now works, then yeah. why fix something that's not broke? Exactly. And I have yeah. the redundancy, redundancy still with the other relay, mm-hmm. so yeah. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> but that's a good point with the radiation heat. Um, I've I've never thought about all credits this. to Hangler. Uh, we nerded yeah. off. He 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 is the uh-huh. knowledge I just repeated. I'm the parrot. <laughs> yeah, but but what I found out is that at low temperatures, these heat treatment ovens are not as precise because they tend to overshoot. I mean, that's I think that's what you meant. They heat up to 180 degrees pretty quickly. Although you you set your mm-hmm. um, uh, program to 150 so they overshoot sometimes and if they overshoot the blade might also be already at eight, 180 exactly degrees. their cycles are catastrophically then there is no yeah. convection at all at least with those little uh, or, or normal kitchen ovens you have some convection at least but still there is yeah. the issue of the heating coil um, being directly in front of the knife and radiation heat still mm-hmm. is a problem with those but as, as far as I think heat treatment of ovens are off limits for tempering, in my opinion. But uh, yeah, uh, I agree. But, uh, but for different reasons, I never use them because they tend yeah. to overshoot and um, they're um, super inaccurate with low temperatures. Um, but with, I never thought about this radiation radiation heat stuff. That's so, that's good. I mean, so uh, I have good to, to know. I have uh, two heat treating ovens, and I have one for heat treating and one only for tempering. And um, <laughs> when, when the PID controller, like you said, it's it's made for a certain temperature range. Yeah. Um, there's definitely a big difference when you have the PID controller and you do, um, it has like a self-learning cycle where it figures out how often it has to turn off and on in order to hold that temperature range. Yeah, exactly. And when you're working, when you're working in uh, carbon steels and you're doing 820 degrees, you want that. Uh, PID control to learn that that's the temperature you normally use and yep. it works well in that range but below that range for temp- tempering at like 160 170 it uh, it's horrible it has it still swings up and down 5 10 degrees or something so that's the reason why I have the second one that I use for tempering um and if you set that controller for 170 degrees and that's the temperature you always use um it works well did you but, did you ever try? Um, do you have, by any chance, one of those very thin, um, those wire uh, K um, uh, temperature K, K coupling? Yeah, K coupler. But those, you know what I mean? Those uh, very thin ones. Because what I'm thinking is, with those thin ones, you can measure temperature differences very quickly. Do you maybe mm-hmm. have that? Because you could. I, no, I use I use the type S. Uh, coupler it's um in a ceramic uh tube ah yeah yeah that's too um too inert or like uh, temperature inertia or how do you say it yeah yeah yep yeah but i i turn slow Mm -hmm. i turn i turn my uh tempering oven on the same time so i turn on my heat treating oven and it heats up for about an hour and my tempering oven 
runs pr- probably by the time I'm ready to temper for about an hour and a half. So the yeah, whole no, oven no, is already I don't, up. I don't temper. doubt that. I think, and your your PID will show the constant temperature. I'm sure, but I right. wonder if you put a, a third party. A thermocouple in a very thin yeah. one mm-hmm. if it will register any peaks or lows if mm-hmm. because it can react way quicker i would be curious i yeah. mean if that's not the case you shouldn't have any problems then it should be fine because then you're just at ambient ambient temperature all the time then you don't need convection i think um and if the thin thermocouple doesn't react and show any peaks then yeah then then it will be no problem but usually with those yeah as you said usually they are uh, aiming for 830 or even harder and then they are very confused uh, only being right. on 160 180 or whatever uh, degrees yeah <laughs> no at the beginning i did there was a type k uh, thermocouple in there and um then i went through like two or three thermocouples and started with the type s and I think uh, maybe you're right. I think the Type S uh, uh, is better for the higher temperature than than the, the Type K would be at a lower temperature. Yeah. So that's a good uh, good thing to try out. I mean, they're they're inexpensive. I can easily change it out and, and, and test you your can, theory. Yeah, and you can get them in different yeah. uh, sizes. So Type K doesn't always. And, yeah, yeah, and and I have mm. one cheap China China one, but it's it's sufficient because I have several and they all show the same temperature. Then I know okay. They must be accurate. Um, they they have one where only very thin wires are soldered together or welded together. Yeah. Oh, so only the tip takes the measurement. You mean right? You can almost see it at the tip that it's very two very thin wires. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's yeah. not a solid thing. It's it's really just the wires, and that one is so thin that it will react quickly. I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, to changes. Yeah, but makes sense. you can buy them for 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 little money. It's it's not not expensive at all. And the reader as well, the the digital reader for the K thermocouples. I have a few yeah. <laughs> laying around in the shop because they are so cheap. And I'm always yeah. checking my my tempering ovens. And, especially and, at a, especially at a tempering temperatures, you can get one for very yeah. cheap. Yeah, they get expensive once you get up to the eight hundred degree range, nine hundred. Yeah, I mean the China ones work, yeah. but <laughs> they're cheap as fuck. <laughs> but instead of getting a second heat treating oven, um, I'd get an. I mean that's how we do it. We use a labor oven, a lab kiln. Yeah. Because they're they're super accurate. Yeah. There's um no radiation yeah. heat because the you can get them with the ventilation. Um, how much? How much did you get um, it, or how much did you pay for it? We have two. I paid um, for mine stainless steel um, casing. I think I paid a hundred euros. How? Um, how? How do you do that? Where? Where are you finding your yeah, machines? I found, I, found, I, found, I found, No, look. Here's the thing. I I got lucky there. Um, first, I bought it. I bought it during Corona, so there was. Um, it was hard to sell sell stuff um, during the pandemic um, online okay. um, because people had to go there and pick it up and um we as self-employed don't people, give a fuck um <laughs> we're ass- ass- essential, ass- you are essential no, workers so we, you got to go out yeah <laughs> but we were we were allowed to drive yeah, around yeah, right yeah. so i i drove to germany i got all the permits because back then you had to fill out forms to get oh, a permission yeah, I forgot. <laughs> remember right so i drove to germany it, it was a drive i think an hour or something 
And back, I mean, it was brand new. Um, it was old because back then in the, in the, in the eighties or something, um, every pharmacy in Germany, I think it's called pharmacy apotheca, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, every pharmacy had to have one of these ovens to sterilize um, their products and yeah, needles and all whether that. or not they needed it. It was mandatory yep. for German, for German <laughs> pharmacy to buy one of these ovens. Um, and a pharmacy right across the border closed. Um, the, the lady retired and she sold all this, all her stuff. Um, and she just wanted to get rid of the oven and it was brand new. She never used it because she told, I, I, I asked her this machine or this oven looks brand new. What did you do with it? And she said, nothing. Yeah. I had to buy it, um, just to get the permission to open a uh. pharmacy. Um, not so a, we got lucky. Not only there. did they have to buy it, they had to be, uh, inspected like yearly. They had to be. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's, it's, it's a German machine. It's a mammoth labor which. Um, new costs, I don't know how much, but shit, a lot of money. I mean, generally um, speaking, either yeah. you two guys are just rich as fuck, or you're very lucky <laughs> seeing your shop. <laughs> no, we are, I mean, we, we, are, we, we are very patient. Um, That's right. So I've been, I, I've been looking for this, for this labor oven um, for years. Um, I, I used to um, use the old um, glass fusing oven PAD controller for yeah. my girlfriend. Mm -hmm. um, which was also super accurate. Um, but then I, I bought this labor oven because it, made, it was a steal for a hundred euros. And Andy bought a very similar oven, I think for 150 degrees, uh, 150 <laughs> euros, um, because, um, they used it to warm up, um, food. Lunch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, um, Leberkäse. <laughs> it was a Leberkäse. <laughs> I mean, the Leberkäse can't, yeah. can't used... uh, cycle in temperature. You know, you have to take that yeah, very I seriously. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they used it to, to heat up um, lunch. So they couldn't sell it as a Laboven because yeah, yeah. it was used yeah, to yeah. heat up food. Um, so they had to sell it for very little money. So that's why we have... Um, Two mammoth I, I have been looking for um, some time as well before I got the restaurant oven, but I wasn't able mm -hmm. to find any device below 1,000 euros uh, used. And I mean, new, those things are 3,000 euros upwards. It's really, really a lot. <laughs> so you guys are very lucky. Um, now, pa yeah, patience is the key. You gotta. Patience is the key. Yeah. Keep looking. Keep looking. You, it, the deal will come. I'm I'm not not known to be patient, so that's a problem. <laughs> no, but they are that they are super accurate. That's why we use yeah, them, yeah. right? So, so we we also use them for stabilizing wood and drying wood and stuff because they're no, so for accurate. sure they're perfect. Yeah. yeah. And Mehmet, I mean, I I uh, watched a couple of Mehmet YouTube videos, and the guy from Mehmet says uh, or said in this YouTube video. If we say 104 degrees, we mean 140 degrees. <laughs> yeah. So they're pretty serious about their accuracy. Nice. <laughs> Very oh, German. Perfect. So Albert, I have to question one of your statements. You said you had uh, two ovens. You have actually you have three. Didn't you just buy a big one to uh, so you could weld up uh, yeah, to repair we, the uh, we have, hammer? Um, for heat treatment, we have four. We have uh, an even heat um, long blade oven. Then we have an even heat a top loader for um, grain refinement and the kneading of Damascus. 
Then we have an EFCO for hardening blades, so the EFCO 180L with the, I mean, it's just, I think, 35 centimeters um, depth. And then we have a massive <laughs> ceramic. It's like the size of a commercial um, oven. I'm hard as a rock yeah, right it's now. A, it, I mean, you can, you can put a person in there. <laughs> we, we call it our crematorium uh. <laughs> because it's so large because we had to um, weld our ram and we have we had to heat up that was thing. an interesting story um, by the way yeah but it was that was so much work yeah, I imagine. <laughs> it was almost um, i think six and a half hours of welding and for that we bought this big ceramic um kiln which i mean which can also do i think 1300 degrees celsius so you can in theory harden blades but it's it. electrical but it, or it, is it gas Okay. It's electric, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and it draws power um, with no. I mean, that's. It, I think it has um, twenty kilowatts. Yeah, right. Perfect. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you can you can see your power meter running in circles <laughs> if you turn that one on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but we only used it for for one um, repair. Yeah, he had an extension cord running out to the uh, to the uh, power lines outside of his house there. <laughs> I mean, to run that thing I, I mean who has a circuit breaker like that in the house yeah but but I mean you guys deserve it because you seem to be very dedicated I, I'll give you that <laughs> yeah but with I mean it's not just dedication it's I mean we got pretty lucky with most of our machines and tools um, there, there's I mean I'm very modest because there's so much luck involved um, with with this um, so yeah we're we're dedicated. Um, we have, we are patient, uh, but we also got lucky, um, and that's I think. I mean, patience pays off. I mean, if you have, uh, you can set up an alert on um, yep. Wilhaben and eBay Kleinanzeigen, and then you get a notification if there's something um, on there you, you're interested yeah. in. Um, and then you just have to send an email and be the first one. Or among the first ones. Yeah, I do that for certain things, but it yeah. never paid off somehow. Someone is always quicker. I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, some, I mean, Albert, I think, guys. <laughs> I think Al <laughs> no. I think Albert's location is a, a like a huge plus. The way he has his workshop, he's got uh, so many people in the same building that do cars or. 3D printing, or and everybody knows somebody, and a lot like a lot of networking, and it's a, like a great place. Yeah, it's like an industrial get, area. Get done. Yeah, yeah, it's it's an industrial. I mean, it's an it's an industrial building in an industrial okay, area, so we can make noise seven yeah, days a week. Yeah. Um, that that's 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 a lot of um, luxury, I think. I, I yeah, but it's the same yeah, with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, You're also yeah, yeah. an industrial I, I know, right? But yeah. I am always hearing other guys how they how they have to take care of them, their neighbors. <laughs> uh, and I don't I don't I don't even know my neighbors. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> That's the way to keep yeah. it. You don't need to know the neighbors cuz <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean that was I, I know them but it's just I, I couldn't care even if I wanted. It's it's a workplace. <laughs> so I had, you know, what's funny? That's a funny story. I had one, I had a complaint when I moved in. So uh, right across the street, it's about mm, 10 meters from my shop door. There is a different building. And in there was a guy in the industrial area. 
um, who was having aquariums and and aquarium yeah. supplies, but also aqua- aquariums with fishes in in it. And yeah. I mean, my power hammer is small compared to your guys's. It's it's a forty kilogram ram, and the foundation is just on the on the on the on the <laughs> floor. But it's still um, nine hundred kilograms from foundation, and then it's an industrial floor. And he is not in the same building. So I think there are a lot of safeguards in between. But still, he was complaining at the beginning that his fish are scared, kind of. Uh, and the water yeah, vibrates when I'm nuts. forging. Yeah. 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 And, ah, and, and I'm, I mean, I was friendly, but I was telling him, I'm, I'm very sorry about this, but what are you doing in the industrial area with your aquariums? <laughs> I was friendly, but I, I was very... Uh, straight up because I, I i can't understand it i i don't i still to this day i mean he moved out <laughs> not not because of me but he had other problems i guess uh but <laughs> i i i thought but did he have his business there or no, did no, he live his there? business it's in the I industrial area i okay. mean in austria you're not allowed to live in the industrial area anyways but i think he lived there actually okay. uh but that's another okay. that's mm-hmm. he was quite a uh, confused confused guy in in many in many ways um but just the 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 balls to go over and complain in the industrial area about someone working there because you have aquariums there is it's it's kind of a ballsy move i think (laughs) it is um imagine some guy walking over to the first and complaining about the first making noise yeah Yeah. how (laughs) yeah but do you think it was true that he could see the water vibrate. Or? I mean, I know in some in some um, areas when there is a gravel, a gravel ground, then as far as I know, the vibrations can travel very far, and I can feel the ground moving in that area when there is uh, construction happening, hundreds of meters away within the industrial yeah. area when they put those. Uh, metal bars in the air to stabilize the, uh, stabilize the construction area to uh, have the mm-hmm. um, foundation. You know the the ramps they they ram into the earth. I can feel yeah, those uh, in my yeah, shop yeah. hundreds of meters away. So I could imagine that it's true. I I don't think he made it up. I I don't think he would I have don't... had a reason either. I don't know that you can see the water moving, but you definitely uh, see a reaction from the fish. I mean, they can feel that for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very stressful, stress, stressful thing, I guess, when the power hammer is banging away. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. How does the what? What do you have as a foundation for your power hammer? So, because it's above yeah. ground, right? So you have an above ground yeah. foundation. So it's it's at first it was only concrete. I had an Instagram story because I um bursted or yeah i bursted the first foundation because i was stupid i um had the bolts cast into the concrete and i was thinking well the concrete is solid and i didn't i didn't cast the bolts in the concrete with something that has a lot of surface area but only with a nut that i secured by punching it with a hammer so all the force okay uh, it was a, a mm-hmm. you know i was thinking the wrong way it, it, all the force concentrated on a rather small area within the concrete so it just burst the the first foundation up it was in forced concrete so it didn't fall apart and the screws were still holding up but there was a big crack and it wasn't getting better either 
And then I um, had um, from some company, I uh, had them weld up uh, uh, like uh, a container that was open on the bottom. And then um, I made the bolts exchangeable. So I uh, put pipes in for the bolts. So the, and, and then I cast it out with concrete. And that's what I'm having now. It's 100 kilograms. It's decoupled from, from the floor with some uh, special foam. Uh, it, it's made for things like that industrial use and and for that weight so I, I had contact with the company and, and told them what I'm going to do and they advised me to use this so it's decoupled from the floor and within my shop even I don't have problems with the vibration because at the beginning at the very first I had a wood foundation just when I moved in because I had to wor start working quickly um, and then things were falling out of the shelves you know uh, but with the concrete yeah, yeah. foundations and decoupling, I didn't have any problems. But the hammer moves, so it 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 moves a little. I I I mean I don't bother, but uh, Huber was irritated by it. Uh, he wasn't used to it, but Huber is not as skilled as I am. So. <laughs> <laughs> so the the hammer was moving in it, and how big is your hammer? I mean, it's not he was moving around yeah, the shop, but he was just, uh, uh, ju just a slight m motion back and forth, you know, just okay. uh, wobbling. Or how do you say it? I mean, I mean, that could have been Red Bull because he drinks a lot of Red Bull. <laughs> no, no, he he does. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he was moving. <laughs> yeah, he, he's moving as well. Uh, th that's for sure. <laughs> uh. Did you have to put in the concrete floor, or did your landlord? No, no, that, that's that's very nice with those uh, with those um, buildings that I'm renting. The the it's a uh, industrial floor, and it's it's including the general um, uh, what's Betriebsanlagengenehmigung. Um, uh, I don't know in English. It's the general. That that you can have a company there, you know the the channel, um, and and yeah, from from the hall itself, it's isolated very good. The heating functions very well, so I'm very happy with that. But rent is high, <laughs> rent is very high. Mm. How much square meters do you have in um, shop? How much are I you renting? I think the the shop where I'm working in, it's it's an office area and the shop itself. I think overall it's 75 and just the shop is 65 square meters. So it's not 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 very big. Yeah, but that's... So 75... Oh, okay, 75, yeah, yeah, in, 75 total. in total. Yeah, 75 in total. Exactly. 60, exactly. okay. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, shop area is only 65. But, I mean, it's sufficient for mm. me. I'm just a one-man show and, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. Did you buy the hammer new or did you yeah, buy it used? Yeah, that was a new hammer. And and I mean, um, I bought it right in 2019 um, from a Turkish company directly. Um, I think they are closed now because I can't, I can't reach them. I would have wanted to buy some dice, but the website seems to be done and I can't reach them anymore. But the hammer, including shipping, was I think 7,400 euros. And it's a new new device. I'm very yeah, yeah, yeah okay. I'm uh, yeah. I, I thought so too. And and also it's because I was thinking about buying an Anyang hammer, but I'm I'm not convinced of the construction because when you look at at all the old Beshe hammers, um, they are leaning on from the des design. They have the 
um, the anvil part of the power hammer decoupled it's from separate. the rest of the construction. Yeah, two-piece yeah. construction. And then yeah. the, mm -hmm. the Anyang hammer is a cast iron construction and still it's connected. So my guess would be over the years, over the decades, that there will develop cracks. I can't imagine how 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 they hold up. Besha did that for a reason. They keep decoupled that for a reason, I'm thinking. But I'm not an expert. I, I just wasn't very amazed about the construction of the Anyangs. Yeah. I mean that you can get two piece Anyang hammers as well, um, brand new. They okay. they built them too. They're not only building one piece hammers, but um, there's a reason um, for two piece hammers. One reason is that um, what you said that it's a, 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 this machine is a bit more stable yeah. and robust, and the other reason is that you get more force into the workpiece um, because the 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 old Bechet um anvils they have so much mass um i mean they weigh they weigh more than the machine right they, yeah almost yeah. i mean the the, the 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 anvil of our um 100 and no of our 100 kilo bichet i think it weighs two and a half tons <laughs> or three tons something like that only the anvil so um, the heavier the anvil, I mean, it's the same with um, forging by hand. The heavier the anvil, the more force you get into the workpiece when yeah, you're for hammering sure. yeah, steel. But That's the reason for this two-piece construction, or, or, or one reason for... And you think it's two-piece two to hammers. be able to move it easier? Because they still could make it as heavy, but one piece, I'm thinking. No, as, uh, yeah. Um, no, but if, if the um, anvil is connected to the yeah. hammer... Um, then the, the force goes into the anvil and back in the hammer. So you lose force, right? See, see what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, when it's not decoupled, it's, yeah, the whole thing is vibrating. I mean, even with my hammer, yeah. it's, it's decoupled. It's, it's just um, sliding or not sliding. It's, it's, it's just sitting in. Uh, ah, okay. You mean okay, now, now I see what I mean. Uh, not really a two-piece, so a two-piece construction, but where the anvil is somewhat uh, somehow connected to the um, hammer standard, so to, to the actual yeah. hammer. Itself, yeah, yeah. Right? So, yeah, but Bechet did this also. There is our 150 kilo Bechet um, is strictly speaking a two-piece construction with the, the anvil um, mounted to the frame. I always thought they made a two-piece to have those very high shock forces those first shock forces not go into the uh cast cast uh construction of the hammer itself so to have that go yeah. directly into the foundation and i always just yeah. assumed it was to prevent cracks because cast iron is very prone to to cracking but yeah 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 that's that's yeah. that's one reason but the other reason is that okay. you get more force into yeah, I mean, the workpiece um, <laughs> it makes sense the, the foundation <laughs> of your 100 kilogram hammer only the the anvil part is heavier than my hammer and foundation overall. <laughs> yes. So my foundation and hammer has uh, 1.7 tons, and your anvil alone of the 100 kilogram hammer is is heavier than that. So that's uh, quite. Yeah, but even with our small machine, I mean, machine um, made super heavy machines, <laughs> which which are a nightmare to transport. Um, even with the small one, the 30 kilo bichet, um, we have the, the anvil alone is almost, I think it's a ton yeah. or something. Um, and the ram weight is 30 yeah. kilos. So 
the actual hammer frame or, or, or hammer ständer in German is not yeah. that heavy. But and if it if it would it, if it was one if it was a one piece construction, you would have to lift with the 100 and or the 100 kilo bichet. You would have a forklift that lifts seven tons. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> so, um, so that's nightmare. On to that transport. note, can we bash Martin Huber a little? Do you watch his? Yeah, when I, yeah okay, go ahead. perfect. Do you watch his YouTube because videos? Because I think his is a one piece, right? No, 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 no. But it's worse. He complained about my hammer wobbling, but when you watch at his recent YouTube videos, his bottom die is moving when he when he forges, and it yes. wasn't at the beginning yes. because I yeah. was always always thinking, wow, his workpieces they just stay stable because his 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 anvil part of the power hammer doesn't move at all, and in the recent videos it just moves all over the place and it makes me crazy. So I just wanted to shit on Martin Huber a little yeah. if that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but but he has new yeah, dice, yeah. doesn't he? Because he's he's yeah. desperate. But then he had he has to make new keys, I guess, or shim them. Yeah, they look funky um, as well. <laughs> the new ones, uh, yes. But if you have, I mean, he has a heavy hammer. He's, I think, it's a one hundred. Yeah, kilo and it's, it's yeah. one. He he told me it's one of those fast moving ones, and you can tell in the videos. It's yeah, bam, 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 bam. it's super fast. Mm -hmm. it does move quick. but then you have to the the the, the, the keys um they have to fit pretty accurately because if if they don't fit the the bottom die or the, the top die whatever it just keeps yeah. moving i um, mean i have that problem as well and it didn't annoys me a little i was thinking about making some kind of sa safety or you know securing it somehow but then i was mm -hmm. thinking no matter what i do um due to the vibration and the peak forces it will wear out yeah. no matter what i do if i set a pin or anything it will wear out and maybe it's gonna wear out and it's yeah, gonna yeah come it's loose. gonna come loose or <laughs> worse the die might get stuck somehow i mean did you guys see what um hoffman had to do recently he emerged no. his um top die in liquid nitrogen because yeah. uh, it seems like that the, the <laughs> The wedge got stuck so firmly that he had to emerge yeah. the whole die in liquid nitrogen, and then he got it loose with the sledgehammer. But, <laughs> uh, but that's what we had to okay. do as well. We had to, and uh, not not liquid nitrogen. We used yeah, dry but ice. very cool. Yeah, we, yeah, we had to use dryers because <laughs> we couldn't get the <laughs> the top um, die. Um, die. Yeah, I mean, it's very yeah. smart. I was always, since I am a truck mechan mechanic, uh, uh, I was o I'm always thinking about heat. As, as as soon as something doesn't come loose, I'm I'm going straight to heat in my mind. But that would be a bad idea with all the gaskets and all on the power hammer. So that would be pretty stupid, I guess. Um, but the driest worked. Dry ice yeah. worked fine. I mean, it, it, you, we had to leave it in because there's so much thermal mass, so we had to leave it in there in the driest container for I don't know two, yeah. three hours. But th then we, we were, only then we were able to to get the key out. Yeah, I mean, at least it worked. It's nice, Top smart thing. solution. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the, the 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 power hammer you have is um, similar to the Reiter hammer, right? Yeah, yeah, I would say. Are the dice compatible? Because you said you need new dice, uh, right? So I don't think so. I think I talked to someone okay. recently. I forgot to who I talked. I think maybe Hunger, but because he. Do you have the same. Mm -hmm. 
You have the same hammer as Hangler, right? No, no, it's a different. It's 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 similar in size, but it's a different model. It's a Turkish company. Oh, okay. Reiter is uh, German also, and they they don't exist mm-hmm. anymore either, as far as I know. The company. They don't, but Angel is still. That's why I'm asking. Ang, Angel still se- sells um, yeah. Reiter dice. Yeah. So if you if you need someone, if they're compatible, you could buy them from yeah. Angel. I might look into that. I might have to look into that. And if not, you can ask us because we have to make two new dice. <laughs> I, I, I guess you retreat them on your own <laughs> with that big oven. Yeah, yeah, we. No, yeah, we yeah. do actually. Yeah, we we had we had to. I mean, um, not. Well, I mean, that's not what we chose, but that's just what <laughs> happened because we we tried to buy these dice, but we couldn't find the company who makes them for us. So we had to um, figure out a way to do it ourselves. That we had, I mean, we have we had to make new dice for our um, Italian yeah. power hammer, so the nasal type, and now we have to make new dice for a Reiter. Um, so. Do you? Um, how do you hold the dice? I mean, do you forge special tanks for them, or uh, we? You mean when heat treating? Yeah, yeah. Um, we put um, we drill a hole through the die, which we need anyway. Um, okay, because. If we want to attach like um, your shoes, the, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then we put a wire through um, uh, the die, and then we take it out with a steel bar. Okay, smart. Yeah. Um, with a tongue, that, it'd be hard. <laughs> that <laughs> because, must be f- <laughs> because they're heavy. No, that's not fun. That's a, I mean, that's horrible. There's so much heat. <laughs> but you know what would be fun if you if you're sliding that steel bar in and the die slides into your direction on the steel bar yeah. <laughs> towards your hands. <laughs> then, then 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 I'm gonna drop the steel bar. <laughs> um, do you have? I mean, you you need a big quenching quenching container as well, right? Yeah. For the for the mass. Yeah. Okay. How how much do you expect to? How it's much a, oil do you expect to need? No, we we already did that. Um, oh, yeah, we did this with the dice for our Italian power hammer, um, and we used like a big um, barrel. Okay, okay. Um, and we quenched in a big barrel. Okay. And that worked. Um, yeah. Like the sex, sixty liter ones, or or no, big, no, no, bigger. 100. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, nice. I don't know how many liters. <laughs> I think the big <laughs> ones are a hundred. Yeah, but I'm might not sure. be. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Um, <laughs> But if you open the 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 oven um, yeah. and there's two like fifteen kilo dice in there, there's so much heat radiating uh, from it. I mean, you start if even your your um, leather and everything you wear, it starts just smoking because there's <laughs> the, the the top um, layer of your clothes they they just um, burn away or not burn away. That no one's burning, but there's so much heat that they. <laughs> I like it. Go up and smoke. <laughs> Please let someone make a video of that. <laughs> Please. Hey, pe- people were watching when we were doing this, and they thought we were completely um, insane. Crazy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rightly <Perfect>. so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the first thing that happens is all the moisture that's in any of your clothes or in your gloves burns off, and yeah. that's where you get the, like, the heat in your hands and everything. <laughs> I'm yeah. having a picture of those old videos from the first nuclear explosion. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in com- in comparison, Albert, if you were to buy a set of dice, what what would a set of new dice cost compared to the ones I you mean, made? We we bought a new set. Yeah, we bought a new set of dice for the Bernstoffer back then um, because ang- we hadn't made it Angeles. 
um, and we paid, I think, one thousand five hundred for for two dice. Oh, yeah, that's heat treated and everything. Um, but we had to send them the um, um, CID, so the cut files, yeah. so the construction okay. files, um, and they heat treated them. Um, and they actually broke, <laughs> so the, the bottom die broke. So and holy shit! We, we told them that we think it's a, a heat treatment um, a failure or mistake yeah. because you could see it from the grain structure, and they said no. Of course, um, yeah. it was your fault. <laughs> um, I mean, we we've, we've been using it for for a year um, before it broke, so it was okay, and we sold the hammer anyway. Um, yeah, but that's it, not okay, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but what, what, what are you going to do? I mean, the, the, the warranty, um, there is no warranty on these anymore yeah. after one year. Um, and they say it's your fault and you say, no, it's your fault. No, no, I get it. But <laughs> um, so I'm not, and, it, and the hammer, we, we already had plans to sell the hammer. So we um, thought, well. In which operation did it break? Um, when we um, disassembled the machine. So we... Uh, took out the dice and we um, disassembled the machine because we sold it yeah. and then it, it, it broke. Yeah. We, we wanted to sell it because we already bought our um, new hammer. Yeah. Um, and if you do it yourself, um, it's of course way cheaper. Yeah, well, first uh, you need the right heat treating ovens and all the machines and everything together. Yeah, yeah, it's it not, not counting yeah. all these machines and the mill and the work yeah, yeah. And, and the hours you spend. I mean, um, my oven is big enough. I didn't ever think about the idea with the wires and uh, steel rod because that's pretty smart. I was always thinking in terms of tongues, mm. and that gets super quick, uh, super yeah. super difficult quickly because even if you forge big tongues, uh, those dies are heavy, like ten kilograms or something. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Mm. I would estimate eight kilograms or yeah, and. With tanks, that's tricky. I mean, <laughs> and then and then the oil amount worried me as well because I don't really want to buy one hundred liter oil just for that and have them lay around. I don't. I don't ever mm. need that. But yeah, um, and at a top loader, a top loader heat treatment oven is also um, better than a front loader because you then can open up the whole thing and you can put them out um, yeah. easier. Yeah. Um, but if you do it yourself, it's uh, I don't know, 250 euros maybe or 300 for the steel. And like a day's yeah. work? Or? No, way more. More? <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah machining have, and everything. You have to, do have, yeah, do you have, you have to machine the, 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 I think it's called dovetail. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they have to be super accurate mm -hmm. because if they, if they're not accurate, then the keys won't fit. Um, mm -hmm. Then you have to file and adjust the keys. Whoa. And, and, <laughs> and you need a mill big enough. To be able to mill something yeah, you, like that. Yeah, you need a big mill. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah so I think for 99% of the people out there, they're not making their own dice because that's... A no, buying <laughs> is... That's what yeah. we... I mean, that's what we also wanted to do. We wanted to buy the dice, but we couldn't find any shop who makes them for us. So hmm. um, that's why we had to do it ourselves. Okay. And now we have to... I mean, now we've done or, or made, I think, four dice. And we're going to make two more. And if anybody else out there that's listening needs dice, you guys will make them for them or what? <laughs> yeah, but then we have to have pretty accurate measurements of the angles. Yeah, um, yeah sure. Now Andy's going to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> but it's hard to find a shop who, who makes them for you. 
Um, I mean, I'm sure guys are taking notes right now. <laughs> I have your name on my list. <laughs> on how to do it or who to ask. <laughs> who to ask, <laughs> of <Yeah>. course. <laughs> we knife makers are lazy as fuck. <laughs> I mean, not just not just normal dyes, but you got, you can get some ladder pattern dyes, raindrop, all kinds of Ooh. special things. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tell Andy. He, he, he's not going to listen to the podcast, so... But don't tell him. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I think it's turned into like episode two of the Power Hammer discussion, but I like it. It's good. I think very informative. I hope uh, some of the listeners yeah. can take some en enjoyment <laughs> I mean, in our discussion here. But what's wrong with your dice, Ben? Um, Why do you need new ones? No, because uh, they come loose, or no, no. I mean the 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 half round dice just have some wear, and I condition them every now and then. And we're talking, you know, half a millimeter maybe that I'm taking off, but it's five years old, and I think I conditioned them uh, three times already, just because I'm a freak. Because <laughs> I see other people working with way worse dice, so I think I think I'm overdoing it. But at some point the height of the dice will lower to an amount where the where the where the ram could run into problems and i have that measurement where it's mm -hmm. too much so I, yeah. I i i know where uh, where i have to stop but i'm just thinking uh, it's just a matter of time when i will need new dice so um, th that's just why i'm already uh, kind of looking and and <laughs> seeing what i can do because i know that they are yeah, crazy expensive, and I think it, it, it's 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 surely surely you you guys and if I would make it on my own, since we are not used to that work, we it, it takes us a lot of time. But I'm thinking um, a company that makes power hammers that is specialized in that, and you know has all the routes on the on the maybe CNC mill or even yeah, with yeah. manual milling, all the routes figured out. I think to them, I. I to be honest, I can't quite understand the price, especially in context of my power hammer. I mean, the whole machine costs seven thousand five hundred, and then I'm spending one thousand just for a pair of dice. It just doesn't match up in any relation. In yeah, my if opinion. you have, if but only if you have them custom made. If you buy the the replacement dice, they're like three or four hundred euros. Um, yeah, yeah, from while. that company. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But since the company goes, if they down, still make them, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean I will check with the with the writer dice. Someone told me already and I forgot about it, but I will check um for measurements if if they have some online or otherwise I'll write them and bother them. <laughs> Get on the nerves. Uh yeah, but I I don't need anything custom really. If if they fit I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Um what kind of dice do you have on your hammer? Uh, is it like combi dice with with, with a um, no, no. drawing die in the flat, or is it just drawing dice? Yeah, half round drawing dice, and then I have flat ones. And back then, I also ordered some who are mm, very flat spherical. I mean, if you would, it's it's a radius similar to a ball of one meter or something. It's it's okay. very flat, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. both are uh, have a spherical surface. Um, I never use those because they move material crazy quickly and it's hard to control in terms of blade forging because they, they're just too aggressive in, in, in that sense. Um, but the half round I use a lot 
the half round is what I mainly forge with and the flat uh, dice I only use for the tang forging so setting the tang off and forging the tang out and then I have um, my 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 shoes for super aggressive uh, half round dice where I make the wave pattern and and the denti pattern I also have shoes for that for the flat dice mm-hmm. so flat dice I use uh, a lot as well um, but do you exchange the dice then? Do yeah, you yeah, drive yeah, out the yeah, key yeah. and put a new one in? Okay. Yeah. What is that, what is that's a shoe? Not... Is that like a something that you slide over the the standard yeah, dice? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It, it it slides over the flat dice and then you can um it's the shoe itself is made from mild steel in my case. And then you can weld on some steel that you can harden and and use that as the So the the shoe you you made yourself the shoe is something that you can make to slide over your standard die yeah yeah that's yeah that's okay. that's quite easy i mean you only have to watch out for um to space it out so um i i usually i don't know what i took but a few pieces of paper just very s- slightly oversized but when you weld it up the the, di- the shoe will shrink yeah. a little yeah and if you if you don't space it out at all, <laughs> then you're having having a new new die <laughs> because that <laughs> that thing stays on there. <laughs> um, yeah, so space it out out a little, and then you you're more flexible because you can but, weld stuff on that. And but yeah. that's smart because then you um, can make it work with one hammer right. if you exchange the dice. You're very flexible then. Yeah, 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 and uh, I mean, and uh, I would, I would even consider uh, having uh, less aggressive health round dice for the flat shoes. But the problem with the shoes is, especially when you have a small power hammer, it loses force because the yeah, yeah. the um, uh, the stroke just isn't as long anymore. Yeah, uh, but other than that, I mean, if you have an oversized hammer i mean what is oversized right but for blade forging itself except for damascus something like huber or you have with 100 kilograms is oversized for blade forging but if you then have a shoe it doesn't matter because the hammer is enough power anyways yeah yeah but in my case it 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 matters so i can't i can't really use the flat dice all the time but i'm not i'm not enjoying the die changing at all it works but yeah that would have been my next question <laughs> yeah yeah no I, I mean it works way better since the since it's a new power hammer you know with old power hammers or spring hammers even in my old job where i worked as a blacksmith uh the bottom the the die fixture was cast iron so those wedges when they held up they really they 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 crawled into that rod iron yeah. uh, or ca- yeah. cast iron uh, it, it was crazy they were barely to get out um and now the uh both parts the die is hardened anyways and the other part is made from mild steel and that works way better um mm-hmm. it it has way um, or, or much 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 less um wiggle room and and doesn't friction weld as as quickly how much room do you have left in your ram before you need new dice I've measured it out. I don't know up like seventeen millimeters or something. It's it's yeah yeah. It's a lot. It's not it's not like nuances. It's it's quite a lot. I'm 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 safe for a long time, but yeah, yeah. I have a I have a spleen with redundancy. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I always have to have things uh, double and triple. Uh, yeah. 
But you have to take care because if, if um, I mean, you might break the hammer if the RAM um, has, uh, if there's too much room. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, yeah. It definitely would, 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 would destroy it. I can imagine easily mm. how it would. <laughs> I, I don't want to try. <laughs> no, no, don't do that. <laughs> because then, then you have to make a new hammer. <laughs> yeah. oh. Um, but there is there an, an, an indication on your RAM? There's usually there's a line somewhere indicating I how much. No, I didn't see a line, but I measured it by uh, lowering it, um, just letting it um, lower itself slowly, mm -hmm. and then I uh, lifted it up with a with a uh, with a leverage again. It's okay. Yeah, or or by hand. I don't know. I don't know. I think with leverage, and then spaced it out again but i just okay. measured it where where the where, how, how much space i'm having how much oh, okay yeah I, the power hammer itself says a measurement as well i think mm -hmm. but that's on the super safe side so uh, but even to that i think i have a lot of wiggle room still okay yeah how long have you been forging on this hammer now um since five years okay and it's still this first set sets of dice, right? Yeah, yeah, first sets of okay. dice, and and yeah, super happy with the construction overall. Never uh, a screw came loose, nothing like that. Um, and yeah, the construction is interesting as well because the only cast iron parts are the actuator piston uh, casing and the mm -hmm. the ram mm, casing. Uh, other than that, it's a fabricated steel um, frame. And I, I, I mean that's what I said with the Anyang. I just, I just think in terms of construction and and repair, if there ever develops a crack or something like that, I can easily weld it. I'm, 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 yeah, it's, yeah, it's just. I mean, I, I don't expect it to happen, but you know, my mind was just at ease when I knew um, less materials to um, catastrophically fail potentially <laughs> yeah if something fails with cast iron you're screwed <laughs> exactly that's the thing i mean and, yeah. and as uh, little as cast iron as possible i was thinking uh, the, the better but yeah in terms of base shit those machines worked since 100 years so i don't yeah, but I don't it, it, it comes to the it comes to the price i mean the heavier the hammer the more force you have um but they're the more difficult they are to fix if some if there's a crack in them yeah um, and the the writers, um type hammers are easier to maintain, but do not develop as much force. Yeah, they are. I mean, it's it's, it's a trade off, right? I mean, I mean, they are very little. I think the Reiter Hangler has are twenty five kilograms or something. They are even smaller than mine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they are. I forged on them. That's okay for bladesmithing as well. But the Mascus, I think, is yeah, <laughs> almost at hand hammer level. <laughs> I mean. Still, yeah, still you, way above, if, but you know, it's yeah. If you can swing a 30 kilo hand <laughs> hammer, no, no, then, it's, <laughs> that, yeah. then it's about the same. <laughs> I'm used to it, <laughs> yeah. But it's interesting, yeah. Um, just tell us if you need new dice and then we'll, we'll talk. Um, <laughs> let us know. I'll go, I'll go directly to Andy then. <laughs> <laughs> Tell him Albert said 400 Albert, bucks for dice. Yeah, Albert, <laughs> yeah, Albert <laughs> told me to. 
<laughs> no thanks. And he also said we're getting or I'm getting them for free. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. That that's my approach always. <laughs> I bet promised. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but thanks for the for the sure. Uh, you know what I mean. <laughs> I don't know yeah, yeah. the word right now. Offer. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, completely in the other direction. Come on, when when you are grinding um, hidden tang knives, how are you holding yeah. on to the tang of your knives? Do you have? Do you, I mean, do you have a pretty standard um, handle construction with your? Uh, I don't want you call them with the bolsters and. The, do you hold on to them with a like a vice grip or do you have some kind of a tool that you've made yourself or during grinding yes i have the blades in my hand or i mean i have a work rest yeah and the blade sits on the work rest so the work rest bears all the forces from the from the belt itself but i'm i'm just with my hands pressing it on the belt or or did you mean something else yeah, I mean, like I'm not holding the blade. You're not holding on to the tang, or you? I mean, you don't need that because you're no. using a work rest. No, no, yeah, tang. I don't hold on to the tang. I hold on. I wrap my hands around the um, uh, platen, mm -hmm. and I'm with my with my four fingers. I'm on the back of the belt, so to say, on the platen, and with my thumbs, I'm pressing the the blade against the belt, and 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 I only touch the tang when I take the blade away. But during grinding itself, I don't, I don't hold the blade on the tang. Is that a thing you do normally? Yeah, with a with a um, narrower grinder you do, <laughs> but yeah. because you have a very wide grinder, right? You have yeah, yeah, and, um, yeah, and the work rest is wide as well, so the blade can't fall off to the left or right. Yeah, but with the fifty mil grinder, it's um, hard to press it onto the. Um, yeah, see, I, I, I never stop learning what normal people do. <laughs> <laughs> I because you're, you're so spoiled with your wide grinder. <laughs> yeah. What's the belt width of your grinder? Uh, 120 millimeters and, okay. and, and yeah. length is uh, 3,350 3, millimeters. So three meters ah. and, and a little bit. That's that's quite a grinder. Yeah, 120 millimeters. So uh, I... Yeah. That's the machine I enjoy most in my shop, and I wouldn't exchange it for anything. Everything else, even the power hammer, can go before that machine. I, I can yeah. forge by hand, but I can't grind blades like normal knife makers do because I would overheat every edge. I'm I'm very mm. confident in my stupidity. <laughs> and the three thousand millimeter belts, they also. I mean, you do water cool grinding, right? As far as I know, yeah, yeah. but even if you didn't, the longer belts run cooler. Mm, yeah. Um, so. Yeah, I mean they they have they have I I calculated the surface area so they have about if I'm not if I'm remembering correctly with uh, compared to the two thousand times fifty millimeter belts they have four times the surface area or more yeah a little. Mm -hmm. so yeah. Uh, they are holding up similarly so similarly to you using four belts for example or uh, due to the surface area yeah where do you find but that's where do you find your belts. I'm buying them from uh, VSM directly. They special make them to that size, or is that some kind of a standard yeah, they, size? Yeah, yeah, no, no. They special make them, and they have no problems as long as you buy twenty pieces yeah. of every quality, mm -hmm. and yeah, twenty pieces of every quality and grid. But I mean, that's yeah, yeah that's, the same essentially. You need that anyway. Um, 
Yeah, and and you have to buy a certain amount per year. But I mean, yeah, people like Hangler with his courses, right. or like you guys, uh, Messerschmitt of Salzburg. I'm I'm sure you buy way more belts, also in 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 monetary uh, terms than than I do. Um, because I think knife making courses, I think they, <laughs> what I've seen, they are very, very belt intensive. They are, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but VSM, um, yeah, directly, and that that works out. <laughs> what kind of belts are you using then? Uh, I've used the ones with the bright red coating before. It's the xk 800 something i think something with uh, yeah 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 something like that series and he told me that the seven xk 760 series is the same grid so it's also ceramic grid but without the uh, bright red uh, coating and the coating is only there for uh, a cooling effect no no yeah yeah it's a paint but it has a cooling effect and i um, and and I, I notice it. It's 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 true. It it has some effect. But since I'm water cooling anyways, mm-hmm. I don't need to spend the extra money for it. And I'm buying the cheaper belts. And they have some advantages for me because since the coating is missing, they are not clocking up as fast. Mm-hmm. So ah, the grid mm-hmm. itself is the same. But what I noticed is sometimes um, they can clock up, and you know with yeah with with shit yeah <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and and with the with the other belts they don't don't do this at, as much but i wouldn't recommend them uh if you're not water cool uh what water cooling during grinding because there is a difference the 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 cooling uh surface works w- what i what i find astonishing i wouldn't have expected that but maybe it's some kind of um like what are candles made of? Some kind of wax. wax. Yeah, yeah, wax. Yeah, wax mm-hmm. that um, it helps it slip produces a, a steam a layer. Better. Yeah, yeah, a slide or that just changes it. Yeah, like like oil or yeah, I don't know. But what what's the colors? Uh, what's the color of your belts? It's it's more now? brown. It's not brown. not 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 current brown. It's more uh, like a dark red, wine red. Yeah. Okay. Burgund red or something like that. It's mm-hmm. uh, they they don't look as fancy. <laughs> uh, but they're cheaper, right? Yeah, they are cheaper because the coating Consi- is missing. Con- considerably cheaper or not that much. I pay okay. uh, I think I pay for those big belts, I pay eighteen euros. And I think mm-hmm. the other ones would be twenty two or th- something. It's not okay. it it's not not really in in forty grid, uh, those are the more expensive ones. As soon as you yeah, move yeah. move up in the grids, it it gets cheaper. But um, yeah. so you pay yeah, like eighteen nineteen euros per belt per grid, and then have a specific amount that you have to order in order for them to make that size for you. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's twenty pieces. But I'm 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 usually buying end of the year when I'm having some money to spend. Yeah, what the tax <laughs> before taxes coming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and and then it works out. I mean, you know, those belts don't go bad anyway. Right, so yeah. I treat it similar to steel. I can't mm-hmm. have enough of it. <laughs> How often do you have to buy belts? Do you buy it only once a year? Or? Yeah, most of the time. I mean, I have some friends who buy through me. Um, mm-hmm. 
then sometimes I buy in between the year, but for me it's most of the time only only one time a year. And from last year I bought I bought for something like three thousand euros, and I still had some uh, qualities left, some some grids and qualities left. So yeah, next year I think I'm not buying a lot, <laughs> or I mean mm. end of this year. For, for, for even with year. the I mean, with your water cooled grinder, you have another advantage because you can increase the pressure, and this breaks the corn better. The yeah. Ceramic, yeah, a little, but uh, it's still um, I still uh, really go into with a with a hardened uh, piece of steel and 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 break the corn up one or two okay. times, and mm -hmm. even then when I when I take the belt off and and throw it away, it's very sharp. So back when I was a blacksmith in the in the smithy. Um, only grinding mild steel. I was using those Karunt belts until the mm -hmm. fabric showed, you know. Mm, yeah. And now okay. those ceramic belts, so a higher quality, and I'm using them. And to the touch, they are still sharp. So every every smithy or every um, construction company would jerk off to those belts, <laughs> uh, and I'm exchanging them because I'm noticing um, how much more time I take yeah. grinding and my time. <laughs> Steel is more expensive than that fucking belt, so it goes out. And what I'm doing, I'm lucky I don't have to throw them away. Uh, but some guy just takes them for free. I'm happy they are gone because it's a lot of garbage. I don't have to get mm, rid yeah. of them. And he's happy that he gets them. And I say I'm lucky in that sense that it's a big coincidence that he can use that size. That of size, yeah. 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 He has a grinder that is very flexible. And so he gets them. I don't mind. Uh, but but I am exchanging. I I could use them longer. That's what I'm saying. But it just doesn't pay off. Yeah. It 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 works, and it works well. But it's so much more time consuming. And I mean, you have to imagine. I use for one batch of those forty grid belts. I use two to three of those forty grid belts. So that's not a lot. I'm thinking. That's sixty euros on a on a twenty knife batch of knife. Yeah. Uh, twenty it's twenty knife batch. Yeah. Mm. So I think, yeah. Yeah, I, but I mean, to me, those sixty euros are well spent. At some some point, you the the precision of your grinding um, changes drastically. I mean, that's when, for me anyway, you can yeah, tell. Yeah. You just you just got to get rid right? of just you just got to get rid of the belt. Is no matter what it looks like, if you you can tell that you grinds are getting a little wonky it's time to change the belt no matter what it looks like or feels like for me anyway yeah 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 yeah. i noticed that as well i mean i can apply super high pressure but then as you said the the grind isn't as precise as if you can take your time and use less pressure yeah so yeah that that's a problem and well. it's heartbreaking i mean i i think every knife maker has this huge pile of belts that they don't want to throw away <laughs> you might be able to use it for a handle you might be able to to use it for something but at some yeah, point yeah. <laughs> you have so many of them that you're never going to use them in your whole lifetime Dalman <laughs> uh, uh, had a had a very nice Robin Dalman uh, the Swedish knife maker I don't know if you know him uh, but he had a very nice post some time ago and or a long time ago and he said he started the, the post with the caption saying uh, belts are free right and then he said no they aren't but you should treat them as if they were yeah. and that's exactly the spirit so you should yeah. if, if they don't work anymore throw them out because it doesn't yeah off. as soon as the grind lines start getting crazy or you like like everybody has one side that they grind better on than the other 
But if you if you yeah. if you start chasing grinds, uh, take a break or put it away and try it again tomorrow. But most yeah. of the time, if you put a fresh belt on there, it's like a like a brand like a whole different game. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we broke the record for the longest episode. I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah Albert, Albert's got some editing to do. No, 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 no one's surprised. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, like some old ladies <laughs> chatting yeah. away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you put three Austrians on a podcast. Oh, yeah. Two and a half. Listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, but yeah, but you still had a three and a half hour episode with Morocco, so we still got some time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean <laughs> that's true. Yeah. He, he, although he's he's known for, for, for that kind of length. Yeah. I think he has some f- around five hours, isn't that true? Really? I think I, I, I think four hours definitely. I haven't heard all of them because they are long. But I listened to yours three and a half hours. Surprised three and a half hours. Yeah. No. I, I mean, time flew by. I, yeah. I, I loved nerding off about <laughs> shit. <laughs> Similar to you guys. I mean, I, I mean, actually, I mean, we're we're a little over three hours if you consider that we talked for forty five minutes before we started recording. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> that might have been the the, mis- the mistake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we should have recorded. <laughs> uh, yeah, it probably would have been too romantic for that. Yeah, yeah, that's we'll save that for the after show. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a great episode. Lots of information. Very happy to have you as always. Hopefully, you are not sick of us and want to come back again sometime. Of course. How about you alive still? Yeah, yeah. sure. A little, little bit of power hammer talk. Yeah, no, it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't expect the show into that to, to go into this direction. <laughs> That's all right. It was good. <laughs> but it was a bunch of nerds talking about forging. Yeah. Um, yes. That's what, that's what we're here for. Yeah. <laughs> Bring the value. Yeah. No, it was fun. Yeah. Uh, if there's... It, and, and Ben, and if you're ever in the area, um, drop yeah, by. Yeah, let me know. I'll yeah. come by too. Nice. <laughs> I've been in Salzburg uh, with my wife before we had kids, but I think a visit with kids is due some at some point. And I will yeah. make sure to bring my kids so they can mess up your shop real quick. <laughs> <laughs> they are two Trust very me. active boys, the, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you haven't seen our shop; they can't mess it up <laughs> anymore. Yeah, okay. I mean, then they'll <laughs> clean it. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, bring it for cleaning. That's awesome. Kids are fast. <laughs> kids you. are fascinated with the vacuum cleaner in the shop. They like sucked up G10 dust and all that kind of stuff. They love it. <laughs> yeah, 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 mine always uh, drives around with the how do you say the manual forklift? The you know the small one. That yeah, you just yeah. pull around. He he always takes that one, <laughs> lifting it up, driving around. <laughs> <laughs> So if there's anybody out there who doesn't know who Ben Camon is, but at this point, I don't know what to say about that, but where can we find you, Ben? Uh, yeah, good question. CarmonKnives.com is my website and Carmon underscore knives on Instagram. And we're all looking forward to seeing what you are making for the charity knife now that we know it's not a uh, uh, monolith. monolith. Yeah, that name slipped my yeah, mind for a yeah. second. I think it will be a nice knife. I'm looking forward to finishing it and sending uh, it to you guys. I'm sure. Uh, after that visit I had at um, 
with Tobias Hangler and all you guys. I think my knife's trash now. I'm, I'm going to have to make a new one, I think. Ah, <laughs> uh, come no. on. <laughs> no. Uh, all right, guys. We will talk to you then next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thanks, guys. All right, bye. bye.